good afternoon, good evening, and good to see you again, or whatever that might <laughs> When I say see you again, obviously I mean you see it. Thank you for tuning in. This is the whatever number of our shop, Social Hub of Positivity. Social Hub of Positivity, people. So basically, we've got all sorts of great people coming on, talking about what they're doing in the community, their various roles or, or some things that they've done within the time of the lockdown. Here today, we have very special guests because I've known these people for some time now. This is uh, Krista and George Davis, who I'll let them tell you their whole backstory, but George has, uh, has done many a, a gig for us as a lighting technician and a, an owner of his own business. And the fact that I met him when he was about 15 and he still had that business, well, you see what a great entrepreneur this man is, but he's, he's expanded that. He's doing some amazing things, but I'm going to let you tell that. So, Krista, George, how lovely to see you. to see you back here. We're at Tandu, by the way, obviously, this isn't the shop. Carry on. Nice to be back. Nice to see yeah. you yeah, in these strange see. times. Isn't it? Yeah. Bizarre times. Yeah. So, how's your business? Because you basically do festivals as well. So, what's happening on the festival scene? Well, in the last. Um, since 2020 we've had no bookings no events happened it's all been just stopped really so have you been able to translate any of the skills that you've got onto a digital platform is there any any events I know Melt uh, promotions and productions are doing stuff online there are friends of ours who do who are doing digital platforms is there any anything happening like that that you know of um, I know a few people that are doing live streamed events, but I haven't been involved in much of that really. So you've had no lighting? No. I've had, had nothing since March 2020. Wow. And so. you were doing, well tell us, what were you doing? You doing... Oh, we were doing festivals. Um, what festivals were you doing? Just give them a plug because it's, you know, they're uh, uh, Mighty Festival, Lakefest, uh, Boondocks when that was around. Yeah. Um, these things. are all lifeblood uh, of, of community festivals. Community I mean, festivals, yeah. people get, we came across them, that's absolutely fantastic, what well, I can remember of it. Mm. Great night was had by all. Which one was that? That's at Shearston. That was Boondocks. Boondocks, yeah. fantastic. But also for George, of course, he's also got the DJ business as well, so that, that, yeah. that went. Um, we were very lucky actually to have George um, during uh, Vera Lynn's uh, anniversary because George set up um, a socially distant disco in the street. and, and Whereabouts were you? We were in Malmesbury. Perfect. And um, there were supposed to be a couple of houses that came out, and it turned out to be four or five streets. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had a massive street party. Socially distant, right? It was going to be 20 minutes. It turned out two and a half hours later, we were still being asked for more songs, or he was. So, yeah, oh, it really lifted, lifted the spirits of the community yeah, by doing lot, that. A lot of people came to me after and said they really needed that because that was... Um, coming towards the end of the first lockdown where everyone yeah. had been indoors for so long yeah. and they just needed something to sort of take their mind off that for a little bit. Right, so has that been an inspiration to something that I know that you've been developing as a community initiative? Hope springs eternal, is Hope it not? Hope springs eternal. So as we came towards Christmas, um, a couple of people said, you know, wouldn't it be nice this year if we could really light up our town? So that was where it really started, back in on the 1st of December, um, George got George and I got involved with that one, and more houses than ever 
put Christmas lights up, um, and it was wonderful. And we had um, we had the mayor doing um, a live countdown for when the houses switched on, which was all filmed by George. Um, and we opened that on the first of December, and everybody left their lights up for the whole month. And then at the end of the month, when it came to taking Christmas lights Straight down, we said, we're not feeling this. We don't want to take our Christmas lights down. We mm. don't want to lose that sparkle. What can we do next? And somebody had the idea of maybe we should think about springtime and what can we do to decorate our houses so that we take the lights down, we've got something else. Yeah. We've got flowers, we've got butterflies, we've got, we've got rainbows, we've got signs of hope. So we did um, a community... It's a hell of a place, Mark, yeah. really. It is. Which is like all year round. Yeah. Yeah. It's like with rain in, yeah. they've got rainbows. Absolutely. It's a standard quiet town in Wiltshire. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a, a community post and we said, what does everybody feel? And they said, yes, we like the idea. And then we said, okay, well, we need a name for this. So again, it went out to the community. Um, and a few names came in and then it went to a community poll and Hope Springs Eternal was, was born. That was the name that was, cho that was chosen, yeah. and um, and from there we've built, and we are still now. This started on the sixth of January, and even now into February, we're still having people register saying, "I've decorated my house. That Come and see absolutely it." Absolutely brilliant. Now, so, hopefully, we can get photographs and yep. clips because I hear that you've been learning after all these years, George. <laughs> to <laughs> George, George used to attend Can Do when he was uh, doing lighting and what have you, and we tried to get him to do filming and. Thing. You wouldn't have it. <laughs> Apparently, you have it now. I did a little bit. Yes, you did. You did. But I heard that I've seen some stuff. You got really good at it. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that. So I already had a camera, um, and I saw um, loads of different videos on like YouTube and stuff like that, where people are using these gimbals and getting really nice smooth shots. So I invested in one of those, um, and thought, as as I'm not doing anything with the lighting business, uh, I might expand into some videography stuff. Uh, so I got that, and then it's just sort of gone from there, really. Um, Brilliant. So you taught yourself how to not only film, shoot with a gimbal, maybe you can put some tips and stuff on a, on a video so that people out there who are sitting there thinking, hey, how can I translate some of my skills and hobbies as well? Yes. Because it doesn't have to be a commercial thing. No. You're using it to support the community anyway. Yeah. Right. So it, the idea of people being able to learn new skills, to adapt... To be flexible mm -hmm. is ever more important. So, what would your what 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 editing package do you use? What's that? So, I use uh, Adobe Premiere Pro. Wow. Um, so it's proper. It, yeah. Yeah. But that's not always accessible. <laughs> you can't even you can't even do a text message. Oh, that's <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that's proper, mate. Yeah, I know about stuff. Yeah, Curves. The the only problem with that is it's it's quite an expensive. Uh, package so it's not accessible to to everyone yeah. but um, when I first started I was just using um, Windows Movie Maker which is the most basic thing it yeah. comes free with all basically it's a crayon and some paper isn't it you just have to draw Bas it it's, it's the editing version of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you, you, can, good do, basic you can get start quite there. far with that yeah. and you can get your basic understanding of it yeah. so then when you move to something more advanced like Premiere Pro yeah um, it's still the same basic principle. You can adapt yeah. without it being sort of like, wow, this is a whole new game. Yeah. Right. Okay. So how long has it taken you to learn it? By the um, well, I'm still very much in the process of learning it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been, I mean, a, f a few months, really. Like yeah. Two, three months, but but just using it occasionally and just messing around with it, really. Yeah. But if if you if you um, wanted to do it more full time then you could learn it within sort of one or two months if you really 
yeah. focused on it. Absolutely focused, I like it. The idea of, of yeah, and absolutely, because it isn't that part of this whole lockdown thing is it would drive you insane, no doubt, mm. and it's obviously having terrible impacts on people's mental health, people that have worked really hard in all sorts of jobs. Mm. You can talk about yours. I mean, what's happening with the... With the I'm on my third furlough, yes. Yeah. Uh, swimming lessons have now have, have closed again, obviously. Um, we came back after Christmas, we opened for one day, and then wow. the gyms and everything were closed down again, right. so... So, impacting on the children. Absolutely. So all sorts of ways that society's been changed. Mm. I mean, this is partly why all the old plans that were going forward before HS2, the distributor road around here, new houses, like, really? Are you serious? That can't possibly be still be a plan. Mm. We're going to need so much of money. There's about 75 million being spent around here. That should be spent on mental health yes. support for young people, right across the community, by the way. Forget these distributor roads and stuff. A, the environment can't take it. B, we as a community need community type organisations and, and buildings and places that people can meet to do these things. Now, obviously, the gyms and everything is shut, but you can do a lot of what you're doing in your bedroom, can't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. Not the lighting shows, obviously, no. but you could do a disco well, from your window. <laughs> disco from my window. <clears throat> I mean, with, with the lighting stuff, it's all. Um, the designing and programming yeah. side of it is all 3D visualizers anyway. Yeah. So I do, I'm working on a few um, light shows to music that I can then screen record and put on YouTube for a bit of, you know, for when things eventually open, you yeah. can send it to potential um, employers or clients or whatever. So yeah, yeah, they yeah. can see what you, what you do. I mean, it's really impressive. You, you showed lots of young people here as part of your, one of your arts awards that you did at Gandu. I remember you going through it and showing me when it, it, it was like amazing. George, by the way, uh, his company did the uh, lighting for our, our 20th anniversary, which the wonderful Melanie C started out. Maybe we can put a clip of that in there now. You can see this man and his lights doing his thing. because there's a lot of people vulnerable that can't go out so although it's been great to have yeah. 150 houses join in yes. on this trip yeah. on this trail not everybody can walk the streets so the reason that George's uh, filming has been important because he's captured that and he's put that out on social media so how's it going so how do people access your and we'll put this on this show as well how do they access so I put it on YouTube yeah. um, and then that gets shared to the on your what what's it called Hope Springs Eternal uh, no, I've got my own YouTube channel. Well, we're um, going to put this in this show as well. So, yeah, my name, George Davis. Yeah, George um, Davis, wanted man. From <laughs> <laughs> wanted in many places. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we just we link that to social media, and then yeah. um, and then and that can be seen. Um, we've recently had um, recently George interviewed the um, the vicar from Marlesbury Abbey, Sorry. who Sorry. gave some uh, wonderful words of hope. And that's now going to be used um, because they obviously do their virtual services every week. Yeah. That's going to be used during their virtual services yeah. because again, it's uh, it's that it's it's just for people to be able to see that what's going on yeah. and they don't miss out on it. But if the vicar of Malmesbury was up against the vicar of Dibley, 
on ratings. Who do you think would win, George? Oh, I don't know. You don't? So, I don't. Let me inform you. <laughs> <laughs> I got some bad news for you. Oliver it's Ross def- is definitely the vicar of Marsbury. Oliver, Oliver, <laughs> Oliver Ross is a special man. <laughs> oh, sure, I'm sure. Yeah, it takes a special sort of person to be a vicar. Yeah. That's for sure. Anyway, so here's, here's a bit. The rest of it, can people ask you to film things? Like, for instance, imagine you're stuck in your... <laughs> you're stuck in your house, like you say, you're shielding or whatever. Could someone ring you up or contact you and say, George, any chance you could go and just film something for me so I can see what it looks like down in the... I'm just... This has come off the top of my head, you can tell. Uh, you know, the local meadow or whatever. Is there somewhere somewhere you'd need to... Yes, because yeah, they, they, they can contact us through, through, through social media. Right. Through our, through our, our we have a, Marsbury has its own, it's called Make Marsbury Even Better. It's its own social page. Perfect. Um, you know, thousands of, of, uh, of contributors. Not the same, not the same promoters that, that supported Trump, is it? That make, make Marsbury better than America. No. Make it great <laughs> make again. Make Marsbury great again. <laughs> yeah, make it great. Cool, make some hats. Bring, yes, bring the great Danes back. The Danes, not the dogs, the actual Danes, the Vikings. Anyway, um, how you recontacted us this time was to, to ask me to get involved in doing a writing uh, project for this fantastic initiative that you've got. And my response was, mate, you could not pay me enough, bruv, yeah? Me and the vicar of Dibley, yeah? We ain't coming out on your show, brother, yeah? We don't play like that. No. Didn't I said this is a brilliant idea? Why don't we? Because we've got the can do open mic on a Wednesday. Why don't we put it out and do a community chorus? Let's write a song for Hope Springs Eternal with all the people out there that contribute to the open mic, the can do one, and you can see the link on that. It's on every Wednesday, done 45. This will, by this time this goes out, I don't know how many it will be, don't know which week this is going out, but we've done at least 45. Mm. Yeah, 45 tonight. So that's the night it's going out. Um, but it would be good maybe to collaborate with other people, people write their songs, nothing like a competition because music is a mission. That sounded, that sounded like a rap at least, a very, very small, very small rap, almost like a little roll, like a little, little vegan roll, um, plant-based, not vegan, plant-based. So we can put out details on our Facebook, you can, anyone that wants to get together and collaborate maybe on Zoom, uh, maybe there can be loads of songs. I know that someone else is going to write as well. So I'm saying as many people as possible Absolutely. because actually it's the doing which is the antidote, isn't it? It's, it's not the done. It's like the process yes. is the thing. So whatever comes out at the end of this, the journey that we all undertake as a community will be vital. Mm. Really important that you people like yourselves and bless uh, Captain Tom. Tom. Who, yeah, we, people like that are like yourselves. Young people. How old are you now, George? 18 now. 18. Fair play to you. Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't then. But people like Captain Tom, RIP, and what a fantastic example. But you're a fantastic example, George. And then many people that have known you over the years say, oh, yeah, this guy's in- incredibly... Um, I was going to say successful, because you are in lots of ways. But actually, the fact that you put yourself out, you've always done it for our organisation... How many times have we done charity shows or fundraisers for, you know, in, in, in all sorts of places? Yeah. So on behalf of our organisation, I'd like to thank you for that. But from, for the community, that this, this initiative is fantastic. Everyone check it out, Hope Springs Eternal. 
we'll come back and we'll build up and we'll we'll link lots of things into over the weeks yeah. and we'll see how this is going and we'll talk about what and we'll put it out on the open mic the song for the for the Hope Springs Eternal Initiative. Anything else you want to say quickly before we before we dance or nope. stop? You want to dance? No, 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 no dancing, no dancing. Right, you all good? Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to seeing when we start getting um, little entries in. Yes. I'm going to do a spontaneous entry now, George, especially for you. This is called Hope Springs Eternal, Hope Springs Eternal. I'm not a captain in the army, yes, I am a colonel. Anyway, um, I've never been in the army and I've never been a colonel. George, Krista, I salute you. Thank you very much. Thank and you. We'll speak you. to you very soon. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. That's a wrap. So that was George and Krista doing their amazing community project over in Malmesbury. We're going to extend it, obviously, with the community chorus, getting people to either join in writing the song for that wonderful project or committing to playing an instrument, but you may maybe do a massive Zoom convergence or conflation or whatever and then use it as a theme tune or whatever to their brilliant initiative so anyone that wants to contribute get in contact with Candu or George or Krista um, but we would like to put it out on our Wednesday night open mic for open minds and you'll see the details how you could whether you do it to do with Hope Springs Eternal or just anything you want to do then that's up to you. What I can hear in the background is Donna Lee, Donna Lee, who made us something nice for tea, has got a lovely minestrone soup that she made earlier. But before we go on to that, two things I want to mention. Uh, Dorothy... <laughs> 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 Why is that to write? Do keep going, Maya, because there's... You know, let's, let's keep going. Dorothea Vulcic, who is... <laughs> <laughs> absolute thank you Donna thank you very much it's Donnelly Donnelly maybe something nice for tea this is the minestrone soup that she made um, as part of this wonderful community project okay and I'm going to taste it and tell you what it's like I don't think you're going to see it in in this edition is she no you're going to see it in the next edition okay well, I'm going to eat it anyhow, whilst I tell you about Dorothea, who is a wonderful artist. She did some brilliant lino cuts, which you'll see in this clip. Mmm. I know how what Francis makes. You know how you see a programme where... Here's one we made earlier. Well, you don't know what it is we've made, and I'm eating it. So you're going to see this in an episode before it actually comes out. But it's Donnelly's spontaneously made kitchen stuff made to make a brilliant mmm now if you're like me and you see those cooking programs and you wonder surely every time they make something don't matter who it is the person that's there testing it or you know a guest um, can't all be nice can it I want, I want to see someone spit it out basically these those beautiful lino prints £25 each. They are actually original and they're fantastic. And Can Do Arts are getting 
five pounds per thing. Thank you, Dorothea. And one day I will promise I will half learn your name. I'll learn the first bit. Dorothea, thank you. There you go. I told you. Almost big creation. <laughs> creation. Shush. Anyway, listen. I'm going to eat, keep eating this because I think a lot of cooking shows, they take one bit and you think, I don't know if they meant this. I'll, I'll show you how much I meant, how much this was nice by keeping it. Sewing. That Sarah Walker, look at this. Sarah, remember I talked about it in the first episode, I said about Sarah Walker doing this amazing knitting. And it's amazing. Fortunately, she's done this for our, our wonderful daughter, Adriana, so we're very lucky and very blessed. However, <clears throat> we want to start setting up maybe a sort of Zoom type sewing circle or whatever, or sharing patterns and skills. She's also made these lovely mittens for people to buy in the shop or virtually. Um, again, some of the money will go to help our young people and our community members do the variety of workshops that are put on by Candle Arts. So if you want to buy any of that, the fantastic art, or this beautiful uh, sewing, or find the recipe for this beautiful minestrone soup that Leonardo himself would be. Well, he'd be he'd be amazed really because he's been dead since fifteen hundred and something. So he'd be you know it'd be quite weird if yeah. But mm, it's good. Find out the ingredients of that. Buy one of them. Buy some of them. Donate to Candy Watts if you want to. Get involved in the Hope Springs Eternal Malmesbury project with the wonderful George and Krista and John Davis and the wonderful community of Malmesbury. Get involved in all the local consultations for the Chippenham plan. Yeah, some crazy stuff going on there. And let's, um, let's think about each other. And these wonderful guests that we've got on next, the wonderful Brian Reed and Chloe Jacquet. Ladies and gentlemen, I hand you over to the one and only Brian Reed. Watch. <laughs> Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the uh, Can Do Control Room, as I like to call it, um, where uh, I'm conducting a series of interviews of um, artists and participants in our open mic. Um, and uh, it gives me great pleasure today to welcome Chloe Jacquet. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm, it's a particular pleasure um, getting the chance to sit down and chat to you because I'm a massive admirer of your work and I've seen you perform live quite a few times and mostly through the good offices of the Ubi Hive in Swindon and the Gloucester Poetry Society, which I'm part of too. Um, so, um, and it's just really great to have you in the studio. Uh, and... I mean, we're celebrating the fact that uh, you've got a new book out. This is, are you describing this as your first collection? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is my first collection. I mean, Take it's it by the line. Take it by the line, published by uh, Black Eyes Publishing UK. Uh, yeah, my first poetry collection. Um, it's taken a while to get here, though, but I well, think it's worth it. Well, let's talk about that, <laughs> yeah. okay? Because, I mean, here we are, it's 2020. So, how long have you been on the circuit or involved in poetry? Um, 
officially involved in on the circuit was late 2015. Um, I've always sort of dabbled a bit since a child and as a teenager, but sort of didn't really think about it very much. It's one of those things, you write a bit, you dabble, you play with it, and then you just forget about it because there's no real sort of outlet for it. And then I discovered about that slam poetry was a thing. So I'd been doing some a bit of acting and all that, and suddenly there was this thing where you could like write your own stuff and perform it to a crowd. And I was like, oh, okay, this could be right up my street. Um, but not a lot of time. And then, yeah, in late 2015, I lost my job at the time. So I had three months of unemployment. Wasn't too stressed because there was already something forming on the horizon. So I suddenly had time. So I, I spent time writing things. And then I decided to go to my first sort of workshop with open mic thing where I just was utterly terrified. But I thought, have a go. Um, and it sort of just went on from there. Um Soon after, in I think it was November of that year, yeah, they were the terrorist attacks in the Bataclan in Paris. Uh, I grew up near Paris, and that really, and it was in a, at a concert. I love going to gigs and stuff, so I just it was hideous, and it really threw me. And I just wrote this monster poem that was my white whale for months. But at the end of it, I was like, this could be a slam poem. So then I entered my first slam. I didn't get past the first round, but really then terrifying. on we went. Oh my god! I have yeah, and I you know what? Sometimes performing live, I still get super nervous, and you can't predict it. Slams are hideous uh, because obviously it's all like this crazy, silly competitiveness, which we all know it's not serious, but it puts but a heck of a lot of pressure. It's very serious. <laughs> yeah, and also because you're there, you still feel really naked in front of people who are sort of judging you, albeit you know in a friendly way. But still, you're like, don't forget your lines, and here's my poem, any good? Um, and I f- I found that. Um I found that uh, I, I was just looking around me, going, "What am I doing here? What? Why? Why did I do this?" Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. So and good. And but then afterwards, you're like, and you feel great afterwards because you've done it, and you're like, mm. "That's why I do it." But yes, I have had times where like I've lost control of my right leg, <laughs> and you're sort of stood there going, "No, whatever," <laughs> or you're holding a piece of paper and it's fluttering like this. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's crazy unpredictable. I've I've done. Like, I've performed in, in, in um, very small rooms with, like, ten people, and they're really close like that, and I'm terrified. And then I did... The biggest slam I did was the Cheltenham Lit Fest, probably 2016, I think. Sold out 200 people venue, and it was just surreal. I was like, well, this is ridiculous. So I was not nervous, because it was just <laughs> like, where's this, <laughs> this man? So, I mean... So, I mean, you've been to the National Slam Finals... I have. All right. Twice, the, the Royal yeah. Albert Hall. Yes, yeah, that was amazing. First time, yeah, utterly, utterly terrifying. Amazing, but terrifying, and that was over two days. And then my mission was to qualify again because I wanted to have the experience again, having done it before. Without being a newbie. Exactly, yeah, so, yeah. you know, I would know the format, I would know, you know, what to expect, the venue, where the toilets are, you know, these sorts of things. Um, so yeah, the second time was just like one of the highlights of my life. I mean, I got into the semi-finals of the finals both times, but just because of the way it's organised, the second time I did it, I had to perform a lot more poems to get there, and it was one of those days where just everything is amazing. Like everything goes right, and everything sort of glitters and glows. I know it's really cheesy, but it was, and it was just incredible. Fantastic. Well, I, I got to tell you, I mean, 
on the way here this evening, I thought, I want to get Chloe to write in my book. And then I was like reading through it. And I thought, oh, there's a really nice message in there anyway. <laughs> well, I knew it was there, but I just totally forgotten. Um, but I, I love I this book. And obviously, Take It By The Line, um, that is, um, I don't know why, I've got, I've got a shaky hand. Sugar crash, have you eaten? That's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I... The, the highlight of uh, sort of the last few months of me in poetry, there's lots of bits and pieces going on, but um, uh, getting the opportunity to share the dealer, all right, that you sent to us. And I, I actually just, I thought, I'll just give her a message and ask her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'd really like to show you a poem. Yes, please, yes. Whatever you want, it doesn't matter what, how you want it, that's the way we'll do it. Um, and we had a beautiful response to it. And, and now, obviously, it's acquired a life of its own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell us what's going on in, you know, film poetry land. Well, when I wrote the poem, it's a, I always had it in mind to use props. I like to use props anyway, but it's a very visual poem. So I wanted to get it filmed properly rather than me in my bedroom. Uh, so I did. I worked with a, an amazing woman called Stephanie Cobbin. Um, and we, we shared ideas. I wanted it super literal. Um, you know, it is clearly just a dealer in an alleyway with some books. Um, and she took it sort of to the next level. There's a lot of movement. The colour's amazing. We use different venues. And it's just, so she brought a heck of a lot of creativity to it, so I cannot take all the credit. Um, but so we made this film, and we are both so proud of it, and we completed it just before lockdown. I think it was the week before we filmed it. Um, and so then we were editing it during lockdown together. She was very kind and helped me be involved in it. And then at the end of it, I was like, this, this is fab. You know, and so it got a lot of views on, online. So then I thought, well, how about we enter it into some poetry film festivals? Because apparently that exists, which I yeah. didn't know. <laughs> um, so we've entered it into a number of short film festivals, uh, poetry film festivals and things like that. And we ha are up to five selections now, yeah. including one for the uh, Zebra Poetry Film Festival, which is the biggest international film festival in the world. It's uh, taking place in Berlin in November don't know whether I'll get a chance to go. But then we've been selected for one in Cork in Ireland. We've got one in Los Angeles. There's one in London. And the other one is a travelling one, and I think it's going to be online this year. But, yeah, super well, exciting. I mean, that's, it's beautiful. It's a great piece of work, and it sort of bears repeated watching. Um, and uh, I particularly... I mean, you're talking about the international film festivals and what have you... I mean, suddenly we've encountered this Zoom phenomenon where um, suddenly being at a gig is about because you want to be there. You don't have to travel. And I've met so many people online, amazing poets, and people and people are doing slams in midnight in New Zealand and sort of like 3 o'clock in the morning in Nashville. <laughs> okay. um, I, I must admit, I find it quite wearisome, right, because it's so intense... And it's almost like, I, I'm, you know, to stay with the dealer thing, I feel like I'm ODing on poetry. Mm. Um, and uh, specifically, um, if I watch a gig and there's 30 poets and they all do one poem, I'm frazzled. I'm absolutely frazzled. I'd rather see six people do five poems each or something. Um, but, you know, you dip in and dip out and you protect yourself. That's the only way to cope absolutely. with it. All right, but so, I mean, have you sort of been involved with two... I mean, obviously, you've done the, a lot of online stuff um, with um, Ubi Hive. Uh, yeah. And the, the, um, 
Ubihive Online Slam, which has just been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. those guys have got something huge going with people from all over the world taking part. Yeah, I've, I've helped them host a few events. Um, and I've, I've got two feature sets coming up, one at Ubihive in December and then Crafty Crows, which is a sort of linked to the Gloucestershire Poetry That's Society. Right, yeah. But it's, they're live, you know, they're... Physical event is normally Cheltenham, but they've moved online. So that's in 6th, 6th of November. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to check that. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Um, but otherwise, I, yeah, I have to be careful with the Zoom stuff because um, I work at a screen all day. Yeah. And with the best will in the world, I've, I've been to several events and I'm just like, <laughs> this is, you know... I'm getting screen overload, yeah, and yeah, then it means yeah. I can't listen and concentrate on what people are saying. Um, so I've actually not gone to as many events as I would have done if, for example, I didn't have a screen-based job. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's 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 very much to do with the visual overstimulation. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I think you know. I think that feeds into exactly how I feel about it. And um, is that there's only so much attention span, and it's really weird. But actually, being with people online. Especially when your picture's always on the screen, um, it feels really weird. <laughs> you know, it feels, it just feels slightly more pressured. So, I mean, I tend to turn my screen off and just tend to turn my screen off. Sorry. Yeah, and I think that's okay. A lot of people do turn off their cameras because, yeah. do you know, you don't want to be looked at when you're just sitting around, you know, on your sofa, picking your nose or whatever it is you're doing. And, and it's, and you know, if, if you're at a gig in a pub, in a bar, in a coffee shop, whatever, nobody's looking at the audience. But on a Zoom thing, the audience is super visible in all these little boxes. And, and, and I think it's fine. And I don't think anybody minds turning, you know, having the camera turned off. And in fact, I, I've, I've been to a couple of events where it's open mic, for example, where we know that lots of people go to open mics and maybe it's their first time and they are terrified. And it's absolutely fine to do it with your camera turned mm. off mm. if you're comfortable and that's what you prefer. Yeah. Then that's I think fine. with it being so new and with the explosion and there's obviously people's need to, to congregate and to, to share their interests, um, it's just really about finding a way to cope with it because it's, it's just a slightly different stimuli. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and uh, so we, you know, we'll get there. And like, so in the meantime, we just have to like ration ourselves. Just... Well, I mean, this is so weird and novel. I'm here in a space with humans that I don't normally see. You know, because we've just become really institutionalized. You know, people who can work from home and stuff is like we're just stuck within our four walls, and then the odd person that we are is in our bubble or whatever, and then a screen. There's actual humans in this room. <laughs> it's brilliant. Okay, so uh, last question. Um, obviously, you know, we've been locked down for six months. Um, doesn't seem to be getting any better anytime soon. Um, we're all, you know, we're coping, we're all moving forward. But, um, I mean, what are you looking forward to if we ever get back to some kind of normality? Uh, live gigs. Live gigs are amazing. It would be amazing to get back to, um, both to attend, to listen. Like we said, you know, the Zoom ones are... are a bit more strenuous, although, like you said, there are no physical barriers to access, which is great for anybody who cannot or will not travel and or has a disability. Um, but what I miss is the response of an audience, because when you're performing on Zoom, 
you can't hear whether people have found your poem funny or not. And sometimes you're sort of like, it's a poem that you know is funny, and then it's just like silence. And you're like, oh my God, they hated it. Disconcerting. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And, you know, I am more of a spoken word artist, performance poet, than a page poet, you know, despite the book. Um, But, so... Yeah, I love the thrill of the performance and being able to share with a live audience and, you know, messing about with my props and getting that instant feedback to say, you know, this has touched somebody. And you get you get that sort of um, connection with people, which you can get through the screen. You know, people drop you a message afterwards, but live, you know, when you can look into people's eyes or hear or feel, you can feel a lot from an audience, then you know, like, oh, we've shared a moment. That's just magic. Okay. Chloe Jacquet, thank you very much. Thank you for having me.